Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the podcast that talks all things football, all things Saints. Four unlikely points over the festive period. And we'll be talking about it with the uh, newest commentator on BBC Radio Solent. My name's Callum Wilson. My name's Tom Murray and this is Under the Lights. I'm just before you intro. I'm just going to say I'm, I've obviously got a bit of a frog in my throat, um, which is <clears throat> completely expected after well, what was a, a frantic ninety minutes of football. Yeah, um, yeah, really good game. I thought. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll go into it in, in due course, but uh, it all turned on that red card, and I thought Saints were terrific. We saw two two sides of them today. Um, with 11 men when we absolutely dominated and we had a brilliant tactical setup and everything was working. And then uh, the res- the sort of resolve that we had, which we've not seen. We've seen us go down to 10 men before and we've seen how it ends up. And uh, yeah, they did a great job. They did a great job today. But on the back of an unlikely win and a bit of a bogey ground for us. Yeah, certainly not a uh, a nice place for us to go in the last few years. I mean, if you if you have gone, you've probably seen Saints concede three goals and hardly ever net one. Um, yeah, the Olympic Stadium has not been a happy hunting ground, but uh, very unexpected. I mean, West Ham were really poor. They really missed Antonio in the first half. I know that Bowen is great technically with his with his feet, and he's had an absolute the cracking game today against Watford involved in all four goals, but Saints just defended against him really, really well in the first half. And, um, you know, they were in complete control of uh, after first half. And that's something that we've seen all season, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Saints had the bulk of the possession, it seems, the the play. Uh, West Ham found themselves camped inside their own half quite a lot in that first half. And, and Saints were were great value for the lead, um, and it was a, it was a really well taken goal actually from uh, Moelle Anusi, who yeah we want to see more of that from. Yeah, it was. I was actually really um, I wasn't quite ready for it because he as soon as he got the ball on the edge of the box, he took the shot so quickly, and he just you didn't you didn't expect it at all. And it's a great finish from I mean, him, like especially with his weaker foot. And, uh, I, you know, Saints deserved it. They really, really deserved to be ahead at, uh, at half time. But then I thought it was going to be same old story. They bring on Antonio and Lanzini and it only takes a few minutes for West Ham to equalise. Yeah. Um, I mean, set piece, a few minutes in. And as you said, the guy who comes on, the main man, we knew he would come on. And I think I tweeted, you know, good first half, but Ralph's going to have to react to the pending uh, changes from Moyes and West Ham. And, you know, he didn't wait. Moyes, he put his main man up front and uh, he didn't wait and get in the goal. Suspiciously close to being offside that. I mean, I, I haven't actually seen a still replay of any of them, but I'm sure, I know Forster pushed him out of the way, but it looks, you know, in real time, it looked to me that like he, he hadn't quite come onside. There was no one on the post, but the goal was given. And uh, and as you said, it looked like it was going to be a, another tough day at, uh, at London Stadium for Saints um, throwing away a lead. 
It wasn't the only lead they threw away. No, and let's talk about that second goal because I cannot speak highly enough of Armando Brozier at the moment. The he was winning, he was winning battles that he had no right to win against West Ham. Even in the first half, he had people clambering all over him, and yet he was still at the age of twenty, just muscling off veterans like Dawson, strong athletic defenders like Diop. He was just brushing them off, winning the ball, taking it down the pitch, winning free kicks or throw-ins in dangerous positions. And the, the second goal, the penalty, it all comes about. He's he's not he's only just gone over halfway. He's got the ball on the turn. He's just decided I'm going to sprint towards the box. And I I mean, I've seen a few of the responses that you got on Twitter uh from the penalty decision from some West Ham fans. They uh they couldn't quite accept it, but it but it is a penalty. Yeah. Um it seems West Ham are up there with some of the most delusional fans I think I've seen on Twitter. I I found myself commenting on on a few West Ham uh, tweets where for some for some reason they couldn't comprehend how that was a how that was a foul. And and to be quite honest, I don't understand how you can see it as anything other. So it's not even looking at it from a biased point of view. If if Bian Bednarek does that to Antonio. I'm there thinking, bloody hell, Benarek, running in treacle, clumsy again. I'm not looking at the referee once. They said that some of them decided that if if there's a foul outside the penalty area and then one inside, then it should be brought back because those are the rules. I was being told by a number of West Ham fans. Of course, West Ham invented football. Don't forget that. Of course. And then... uh, then, one of my favourites was, um, oh, the only reason that he fell on him in the box is because Armando Brogia pushed him in the first place. But you can clearly see that Brogia is running after the ball. Dawson is staring at Brogia, runs across him, puts his arm across him, tries to stop him. And Brogia is just brilliant. He does well to stay on his feet. What I like is, you know, he's, he's young, Brogia, but not at that point. Some of the more wily veterans might have looked to have gone down got a red card, free kick in Walprouse territory, but had their team up at, uh, by one man and with a good chance of winning it. But he just wanted to get through and have a, a shot on goal. He'd done really well to get past him. Great strength, great pace. We saw that against West Ham when he made his debut at St Mary's and he came on off the bench and he was a real difference maker. And he almost scored a couple of times, if you recall. He, he just... It's nice to see someone just punt the ball forward and just say, I'm going to take you on for pace. And if you try and cut across me, I'll have a battle with you. And he does that very often and he's very successful. He, he seems to me like a perfect player to play up front on his own because he's got mm. height so he can win the aerial duels. He's strong so he can hold it up and he can have a battle one-on-one. But he's also got pace so he can make things for himself. And he did, he did again in the Spurs game today when he came on. But... He wins the penalty. I do think it's a yellow because he is stumbling and he almost goes through him to win the ball. But I don't think it's, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't, I'm not too uh, bothered about the fact that he didn't get sent off. And, uh, and then James Ward-Prowse steps up and does what he does from the spot. Before I talk about the brilliant penalty, I have to ask you, I hope, if you don't know which video I'm referencing, but the way that Dawson tried to, tackled him and when he stumbles over it reminds me of that brilliant slow-mo video of Phil Jones trying to defend against Van Persie 
on the floor and he's just sort of like clambering along the floor and then just sort of <laughs> throws his head against it and just about gets a touch on it. It reminded me of that because if you watch it in slow motion, they almost synchronize in falling onto each other and then it's well inside the box and he's almost just like caught his, he's almost brought him down with like his head and his neck, just clambered him down. But anyway, up steps Captain Fantastic Ward Prowse, smashes it into the back of the net. Saints two on up and we're thinking, hello, all things rose again. What, what what's going on here? But that only lasted a few minutes. Yeah, well, we still we still don't have that that nous of seeing a game out. I don't think individually. I don't think, and on the pitch, you can't rely on the manager all the time. Sometimes the players have to take responsibility. And there was a moment just before the West Ham equaliser, and I mentioned it that where Saints won a free kick and Ward Prowse was going to take it was. The advantage was what we wanted because we had to stop the ball because it was rolling. Otherwise, we had two men over on the left. Warprouse wanted to play it, heard the referee blow his whistle for a free kick. So he then had to stop it. For some reason, he then hesitates enough to allow the West Ham man to stand behind the ball so he can't take it quickly. And for me, it's 2-1. We need to have that instinct, that killer instinct to say, all right, we're not going to play on. Stop it quickly in my hand. Play it over. Let's go at them again. We've got a two on two. And that I thought that was a huge point. But it's one of those things happens all the time. A lot, I imagine, with most teams. But I've noticed it a lot with Saints in that those those guilt-edged chances, not, not, not a, a miss from a shot inside of the box, but that bit before it where we should be making a chance. And it doesn't come about and it doesn't get talked about afterwards because it was kind of the phase before the goal-scoring opportunity. And, and that, that's where we come unstuck a lot of the time. I don't think it's necessarily the finishing or the final pass. I think it's seeing that there's an opportunity and then picking the right passes to, to unlock that opportunity. Mm. And uh, within about 10, 20 seconds, the ball's in, in our net down the other end. And uh, Ben Rama's given loads of time on the edge of the box to, uh, to pick out the corner. Yeah, he was. I think there was about four, three or four Saints players in and around him, but he seemed to have the for the freedom of the uh, of about twelve yards out <clears throat> just to sweep it home. And it was a really good move from West Ham, and something that Saints were lacking in terms of that really quick break. Suchek got it turned immediately, played it down the channel to Bowen, and he was allowed to flick it in with his left foot. Ben Rama, it's a good finish. I mean, you expect any quality Premier League player to to score from there. Um, and at that point, you're thinking, you know, what what can we do? Like, why why can we just, we seem to be inept at, at holding a lead. But what I really liked was the mentality of the players. They dusted themselves off and they went again. And Walker Peters gets wrestled to the ground, free kick on the far side. And Bed Narek, who, if I'm being completely honest, had a bit of a shocking game on, uh, on Boxing Day, nets the winner and ends the Bed Narek curse. Of course, and, and once again, you know, Ward Prowse did it from 12 yards, but he's also put a ball on an absolute sixpence from a difficult angle, quite quite far out. He's popped it right on Bednarek's head, and all he's got to do is just, just uh, help it on, really. Glances it, keeper's got no chance, and Saints do see out that. Uh, you know, we, we, we had two leads, we threw them away. But how many times have we seen that happen and then the momentum's with the other side? But Saints wrestled it back. And uh, and it was a terrific performance, I thought, in the first half. 
and then we battled well in the second and came away with what I believe to be a deserved three points and a really tough place to go because the big sides have lost there this season or certainly haven't won. So brilliant from Saints. Arsene Huttel, strange. Ralph doesn't often veer away from the 4-2-2-2. But in the West Ham game at home, he played a 4-1-4-1 where he put Elianusi in the middle. And he did the exact same thing against them in this game. And he doesn't really do it against anyone else, just West Ham. And West Ham don't play a particularly uh, sort of unique formation compared to everyone else. You'd imagine that this plan might be one that he could employ against other teams, but he seems to only do it against West Ham. I don't know if it's because maybe Rice and Suchek are one of the few midfield pairings that can match Walprouse and Romero, in my opinion. But he played it once again, and, and, and it gave us control once again, flooded that midfield, which we, we do love to see, and we, I'd like to see us do more. Um, and it gave us a real edge against West Ham. It, it really did. I, th- I really liked Elianusi in the middle because it was w- one of those games where both Romeo and Elianusi sort of, they didn't, I know they, I know he scored, but aside from that, they didn't really stand out. They just went about doing their job. They did the easy things right. They got the basics right. They kept control and they kept their shape brilliantly throughout the entirety of the game. Obviously, there were a few lapses of concentration for the goals that we conceded. But during the actual game, especially in the first half, West Ham, they had to change things up because they were just really struggling to find a way through um, through the middle. And in the end, I know that like any game, you know, you're losing by by one goal. It's the end of the match, sort of a siege mentality in terms of you're just you're trying to just keep them out as West Ham throw everything but the kitchen sink. But we were comfortable for the majority of that last 10, 15 minutes. They were putting balls into the box that were really bad. Forster, he had a few flaps at the ball in the first half, but he was commanding towards the end and was plucking the, the crosses out of the air. We never really looked in trouble. It was just a case of pressure without actually doing anything uh, with it for West Ham. And that was all because Saints were just not letting them get in behind, in down the channels. Every time they got down the right or the left side, they had to cut back and maybe then try across. And by that time, you've lost all of the momentum of the attack and the momentum of the ball because you're not running with it head on and then whipping it straight away. You've got to stop the ball and from a standing start, try and get the ball in. And by that time, you're not going to be able to hit a fizzing crossing that's going to really challenge the defenders. And I thought we saw out the game brilliantly and even... I thought bringing on Stuart Armstrong was a really good decision at the end. He didn't really do much, but it was just the calm, the calmness that he added to the midfield. When we got the ball, him him and Adams as well, we, we we were positive with the ball. We slowed things down. We weren't rash and just hoofing it up, trying to see the game out. We held the ball well in the corner, et cetera. And in the end, it was a cracking three points, which basically took off the pressure from, from the Spurs game today after after picking up that win. Yeah, and we'll just go on to that. I'm, I've just seen that um, Everton versus Newcastle has been postponed this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may affect Saints' game against the Magpies uh, on Sunday. I, I, I know that it will be... Well, I, I'm pretty sure it will be Newcastle who have made that request because uh, on Monday night after the Man United game, Eddie Howe said how they were dangerously close to that 13 player threshold. Mm. 
I don't know how much of it has to do with COVID, though, because he was citing injuries to Callum Wilson. Well, you say that. Maximan. You say that there's a really good quote from Ralph in the past hour or so, which I found, which was, um, let me just let me just have a look because I I I really really rate his response here, and he because he was asked about the possibility of the Newcastle game going going off, and I'll let's see if I can find the exact words, but it was along the lines of, this is. Um, yeah, here we go. Injuries are not COVID cases. Injuries yeah. are also here for us. We will prepare for the game like always with the players we have. We're not moaning about it. So it seems to me that he is very much of the opinion that if, you know, if Wilson and San Maximan are, you know, they're, if, they're, if they're available for the game, the game goes ahead. But Newcastle at the moment are just trying to see if they can, with their two only Premier League quality players out, try and see if they can just get the game off um i i mean we don't know their covid situation but it just seems a little bit you know like oh here we go yeah it, it's what eddie howe was saying and, and this is the point i was going to make i want I, I hadn't heard the quote the quote from ralph but i wondered if it might be along those lines um it was the fact that he was saying following the the injuries not covid just injuries to that front two, that they were dangerously close to this threshold, this 13-man threshold, where um, where the, the Premier League, if, if our listeners haven't heard, the Premier League have decided that if you have 13 outfield players available plus goalkeeper, you, you have to get on with it and play. Mm. Now, if this... And they do have a lot of players out, but a lot of these are injuries... I'm just going through them now. A couple have got illness. Three I've seen so far in a squad with illness. So that leaves 20-odd players. Now, if they've got a load of injuries on top of that, including Wilson, some Maximan, then I completely concur with what Ralph was saying. That was going to be my point, is that this, yeah, this rule yeah. has come into place because teams are, are losing players with positive COVID tests. If you... The rule should be that after COVID, after the positive COVID tests, you should then have 13 or 14 or whatever it is players available. If you then have injuries, then tough shit because that's football. Mm. Otherwise, once these COVID cases go down, if Saints have a load of injuries, are we going to then go to the Premier League and say we've got too many injuries, we don't want to play this week? Uh, the other teams that have had it happen to them, it's been because half their squad's been wiped out with COVID. Fine. But for, for Eddie Howe and Newcastle to postpone the game, if, if this is correct, on the basis that they have three people who have COVID in their first 11, a load of injuries, then that's just tough luck. I think I, I, it has to be tough luck. I mean, this is what academies are for. They have academy players. They've got more than enough players. It, it's, it's, you know, if, that, if, this is, if, it's, if this is the case, then I... I know you think you're talking about the integrity of the league and I'm not, I don't want Newcastle to play just because it makes Saints have an easier chance of three massive points. But at the same time, you know, if these rule, the rule is out there and if it's just three COVID cases, then you've got to get on with it. The game's got to continue. I mean, remember last season, this, uh, this time, um, almost a year ago when we played Liverpool and half the squad didn't, 
didn't necessarily have COVID, but we were having an injury crisis and we had basically a bench that was the academy and Shane Long. We didn't complain. We just got on with it. And that's what we did in the summer. We, we, we bought more squad depth. Injuries happen in football. And I'd be quite disappointed if the game gets... It just, it irks me because, you know, it's your two best players are out injured and suddenly this comes up and it almost just seems to be a bit too much of a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it'll be interesting to see how many games they get away with. But Saints' game against them is in five days. Mm. So... I believe their game against Newcastle was Thursday because Newcastle played that uh, Newcastle Everton's Thursday because Newcastle played on on the Monday mm. potentially Wednesday or Thursday. Either way, I, I don't think that should affect our game with them. Hopefully, because like all like all good fans, if we know that half the team's out with injury, then you sense blood. There's no sportsmanship here. We want to go after a weakened Newcastle team. Mm. Because although although we've got some points on the relegation fight, there are games in hand, and although Newcastle don't have them, we want to we want to leave them behind. You know, an- another win puts us vastly ahead of them, and once they get a load of players in January, we want we want as many points between us and them as possible. So, uh, yeah, uh, moving away from that anyway, bit of a tangent, but that news just came through. I. I, I We'll have a look just to see if that's um, if if it's if it's been said that it's COVID related or not. But Ralph changed the system again today. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of confusion and a lot of maybe uh, well, a lot a lot of people just weren't happy with the team sheet. But when it came out, I I, I said I think this is another Chelsea away in the League Cup where we play Valerie as a right centre back. Because Ralph's played it against a 3-4-3, against a good opposition before. And it looked to me on paper that that was going to be the case again. And he played it exactly the same. And I remember earlier in the season, me and you were very impressed, amongst others, with the way in which we went about that game. We lost it on penalties, but we really, really did give Chelsea a game. And in the first half, not only did we give Tottenham a game, we absolutely wiped the floor with them. We were aggressive. Every single man did his job. And it's almost like, I think, you know, we've given Ralph his um, his criticism of late. But that tactic is genius because no one else does that. That's a completely new way of playing football. No one man marks 11 v 11, matches up a formation and man marks. And it is genius in its simplicity because all you have to do is motivate the players to say, win your one-on-one battle. Follow him everywhere he goes. Yeah, Bednarek following Kane midway yeah, inside just, his own half. Just about to right say that. Darts. You had Salisu doing that to Deli Ali all the time. The only worry for me was that Jan Valery was going to come up against Son, and that's a mismatch. But he was he stood up and was superb today. He was. So I think they all did their job brilliantly. I think it was genius. I wish more teams played with that formation so we could see it more often mm. because... Just matching them up like that, I, I thought was was excellent, and and our players really did put that tactic into into place on the pitch because they were so aggressive, they were so on the front foot, 
in 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 the case of Mo Salisu, maybe a little bit too aggressive because yes. his 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 uh, aggression default is high anyway. So if everyone was to go up a couple of, he's got he's levels, got no ceiling to break through. To, yeah, he's he's close to he's close to. He sees uh, the red EBH. the red mist the red mist descends as it were. And I yeah. was I was thoroughly impressed with Jan Valerie. I when I saw the team sheet, I thought. I knew exactly what Ralph was going for. Like you said, we've seen that formation before. And when I was when I saw it, that he would be up against Son, I was thinking, "All right, Ralph, um, you may have cocked this one up, but we'll, we'll have a look." But no, I think Son is Son is still in Southampton. He's yet to get out of Valerie's pocket, I think. But uh, a point you made about Harry Kane, but now it didn't leave him alone. I was pointing that out in the commentary about how Spurs kept on trying to play it through to Harry Kane, but because Bednarik was so touch tight to him, Kane was unable to control the ball several times and the ball just went straight past him because he wasn't able to get away from his man and he was coming so deep. What we've seen under Conte in the past few matches is Kane has been getting into the box. He's been leading the line. He hasn't come deep to get the ball and start the play. He's been there as the poacher, as the finisher. But in the last few, but in the last, uh, in today's game, uh, he was... Um, he was having to come deep. He was having to come all the way back to the halfway line just to try and get something started. And, you know, the man-for-man marking worked a treat. I thought credit where credit's due. Shane Long did a great job of holding the ball up, making the run down the channels at the top. Adam Armstrong, I mean, I know the team defended well collectively, but I think him playing sort of as a, as a wide player today didn't quite work. Uh, it's not where he's meant to be. I know that Ralph was probably going for him up there just as a bit of pace to get the ball away from our box as quickly as possible because we needed that reprieve. But overall, the, def the team defended brilliantly. And I have seen a brilliant video, which I, I'm a guy for the, for the <laughs> a guy on Twitter or YouTube find the video has decided to, he was he was he was being very sarcastic. He's filmed the Salisu long yeah, throw it, yeah. to take the mick and go like, oh, here we go. The greatest throwing of all time. And of course, throws it into the box. It comes back to James Ward-Prowse. Bang! 1-0. Yeah, it's quite funny listening to the Amazon Prime uh, commentary today. Clearly don't know anything about Saints because they were describing as Salisu came over. Um, his absolute weapon of a long throw. Long throw specialist. I was there laughing, thinking, yeah, well, we'll see what you say after this. And they kind of like, oh, and here's a throw. And it's, yeah, it's kind of just about made it into the box. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, you know, it was nice that that came to fruition, but it, yeah, it was completely fortunate that it landed toward Prowse off Deli Alley's knee. The rest of it wasn't fortunate, though. Cut across it brilliantly away from the diving Lloris. I went um, a bit mad for the commentary of that goal, I'm not going to lie. I <laughs> bet <laughs> you did. But I, yeah, I. I Going back onto the tactics of it, the, the the way that the back three or the back five were employed, because they wing back versus wing back, I thought we were good as well. Thought Perot had a good game. Yeah. I actually quite liked Armstrong uh, playing off the left. I didn't initially. I thought, why is Long not playing off the left? Because Long's Long's played off the wing for us numerous times. Armstrong's a better goal scoring threat, but I thought he was a good outlet because Perot gets it with his left foot, which is different to. Walker Peters, who's always coming inside. And we had that option to keep curling it down the line. And what, what Armstrong's good at is he can he can go in behind or he can come to feet. And he kept the defender guessing. 
and he did keep getting in behind down that left channel. And even though he maybe didn't, nothing came of it necessarily. He was kind of winning those throws or getting us up the pitch, which I thought was useful. And I would have liked to have seen more of it the second half. But obviously his role completely changed. He ended up playing as a left midfielder. And I thought he was, I couldn't believe he was on the pitch as long as he was, because I thought, well, we're defending for our lives. We're defending for 45 minutes. We're, we're hoping for a 1-1. You've got wingers on the bench and you're maintaining this idea of our, our out-and-out striker track, just playing as a, a deep, wide midfielder, tracking uh, Emerson Royale. So I was wondering why on earth he's not bringing on uh, like a Nathan Teller or uh, we probably had other uh, Redmond, or, you know, anyone like that. But he stuck to his task as well as he could, winning headers in his own box. You know, I thought he did really well. Um, but I liked the way we set up. Not only was it man for man, but and defensively, it's, we set ourselves up as a back five with those two in the middle, who I thought, the two in the middle, I thought dominated Hoybjerg and, and Winks. Wasn't even a competition. But I, his choice of front three, including Shane Long, I thought was really intelligent as well because there was a reason he chose those. He wanted those two roadrunners up front. Stuart Armstrong needed game time and he was more of a technical player, but they didn't get a moment's peace, that back line. With, with Adam Armstrong, Shane Long, there may not be the goals that you get from a bro yet, but Shane Long, is, is, we know he gives us. He always plays well for us, doesn't score goals, but he always gives us what we what we know we want from him, bar the goals. And him and Armstrong were brilliant. And, and the red card really did um, did turn it. But that did happen. We, we, we were gliding through that first half. And all of a sudden, Son is in behind. And Salisu brings him down. And it's not double jeopardy, but he was already on a yellow. So it was it was kind of, we did lose out there because we, we conceded the penalty and the goal. And then lost the man. The, the, the cameras didn't catch it. But how did that happen? I was showing a replay and all of a sudden Son was in behind. I was thinking, well, this hasn't happened all bloody game. How are we in this position? It was, it, I almost had the same thing actually, because I remember Dave was talking about something and the, uh, the, the passage of play came about incredibly quickly and Son was allowed into the box and Salisu brought him down. I think even the commentary, it, it, my commentary of it started with the fact that Son had just been put through into the box because even, even my mind now is blanking as to what happened to put him through. It's really strange. Came out of nowhere. Yeah, as did the uh, the Brozier chance at the end. But we'll uh, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, he brings he, he scythes him down. It's a definite penalty. It's a definite yellow card. Harry Kane does the rest, and suddenly um, we go from in control one 0 up to thinking, can we hold on and get a point from this? What did you make of Ralph's decision to lose a centre back? and not make any changes tactically. He, he, we went from a back five, lost uh, our best centre-back, and everyone kind of in that back five just, just went to a back four, and with Jan Valerie at centre-back. And I thought to myself, is he waiting until half-time to bring on Simu? I thought he'd maybe bring him on for, for one of the front three, probably Stuart Armstrong, because then... We, we don't have three up front, but we have the energy of those two buzzing around. And, and I thought it was working so well. I thought we, we really had to stick to that man marking 
And who gives who gives a shit if Eric Dyer's got the ball on the edge of his own box? We don't need to man mark him. So we could have still done it in that way, but it, it, he chose to go with the kind of two banks of four and then Shane Long up front and try and um, condense the play into the middle of the park. And, and I guess he's done that earlier in the season to get us clean sheets and we've played defensively to try and hold on to one nils and the side tried doing it. I just didn't think we really had the players to do it. But, you know, we had a bit of luck on the way, but in the end, one of those ricochets didn't go through to the right man in the right place for Tottenham. And, and um, you know, we, we for our valiant efforts, we got a deserved point. Yeah, I, I was dubious, to be honest, when we didn't change shape because our... You know, the right centre-back became a player who was a, predominantly a right-back. Both you and me have our opinions on Jan Valer and we don't think he's good enough um, to be... It, it was his first Premier League start, but I thought he was fantastic. He filled, he filled the gap at the back really, really well. And as you said, it almost reminded me a little bit of the... Um, of the, the final 20 minutes in the West Ham game. The, that shape meant that Spurs just didn't quite have the ability or the space to flick someone in behind. And when they did, they were either offside or someone got across to block um, to block across very, very quickly. We were very fortunate that a lot of the efforts that they did have were straight at Forster because I think we it was so tense that I, you thought if it was going to be either left or right of him, it probably would have gone in. Now, we, um, we had our... We, we, we benefited with the Brozier chance and the penalty from VAR last weekend and on Boxing Day. Today, Harry Kane, um, he's millimetres, millimetres away from putting Tottenham ahead early on in the second half. I, I personally, I think he was onside. The VAR doesn't agree with that. Um, but then again, is VAR even getting it right consistently at the moment? It's one of those really, really close ones. There's no daylight in between the defenders and him at all. No, it is a joke, really, decision. Um, do I care for no. today? No. Uh, I'll be due one of those after last season. Yes. yes. But it, the guy's on side. I mean, it's not even... When you see the replay and you get rid of the stupid crayon lines, he's the Jan Bednarek looks nearer to the goal than he is. He, oh, yeah. he doesn't even he doesn't even look like his armpits offside. Um, Martin Atkinson is about time he gave us something. He was the guy in VAR, but we we were moving away from this, and I have, we haven't really seen this a lot all season. After seeing it multiple times a weekend last year, so to to be going back to this is a farce and I'm hoping that this is an isolated incident where Saints have benefited from it and the referees get the the response of the pundits and the media and go back to saying look that's this isn't right we shouldn't you know that's not offside and going forward but if we're the ones to benefit from it then great but it was another one of those, you know, in the second half, they started so quickly. It looked like a matter of time before they would score. Uh, a couple of times the ball went in the net. The second time, definitely a correct decision. The own goal from Forster would have been mighty unlucky considering he's caught the ball and Matt Doherty has literally thrown his entire body up to his arms. Um, some trying to claim that that's dodgy goalkeeping, but I think those might just have an agenda. So, 
all in all, Saints worth the point. Although they could have nicked it at the end, and and it would have been absolute robbery after that second half. Oh, it would have been bedlam, mate. It would have been bedlam. That was almost like the uh, the Son penalty. It just came out of nowhere. Uh, Dyer lets the ball bounce, and Brozier he sees any sniff of a chance to get to get onto a loose ball, and he does. It's a really tight angle, and uh, if Saints had scored that, one touch too many. He took one touch. He was he was a little bit wide. He got on past he got on round Dyer, nicking the ball off him, but it forced him a bit wide. And I did think this is prime Armando Brozier uh, This is prime Armando Brozier territory. That's what I'm trying to say. There we go. And, there we uh, go. and he he got into that position. I thought just a couple of yards nearer to the goal, and he'll pop this in the far corner. And that might have been in his mind too. It wasn't quite the angle he wanted to shoot from. He took an extra touch and they allowed Davidson Sanchez to come over and get the slightest of, of deflections to loop over the bar. And that was that was a real opportunity for Broya just to nick it. But what I what I also struggle with is the fact that we we uh, I am 99% sure we would have won this game 2-1 if the referee had allowed another five seconds. Yes, yes, because I, yes, this is, this is true because when the final whistle went, if um, I actually started to get really excited because the ball went over the top and Brozier had the entirety of the Spurs half to run into with no one near him and he decided to blow up with seconds still to not, play. Not technically true because there was no. someone near him in Nathan Redmond. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. two men going towards just a goalkeeper who would be backing towards his goal. I was watching the referee because I was, I was like every other Saints fan, begging for him to blow the whistle because corners were coming in, crosses were coming in. Saints were just about getting headers to it. It was ricocheting in the box and they're getting their toe to it first. It was really, really last-ditch defending. And we managed to get the ball sort of half out of the box. But the referee kind of... The referees don't blow up unless the attack is completely over. So if the ball's still in the box, you can imagine if he blew his whistle just before someone struck it, that would be a nightmare. So he was kind of, he was like, it's five minutes and he was waiting to see if the ball had been cleared. And it had been cleared into the air and it still went to the Tottenham player kind of 20 yards out. But because the ball was in the air, it gave him the opportunity to blow up. And for a second, I thought, well, Tottenham probably won't be happy with that because uh, the ball's only, it's not really quite been cleared. They've still got the pressure on. And as he, as I thought that, as I, because I, I was watching the ref, so I saw him waiting to put the whistle to his lips. And as he blew it, I then looked over and saw that Broya had nicked the ball and we were away. So he was, he was kind of like, I've got to wait until this is even half clear because the five minutes are up. And as soon as it kind of went out of the area and in the air a little bit, I saw him think this is my opportunity to blow the whistle. And I don't think he, he looked to see that there was, I know we were miles away from the goal, but there was an obvious, obvious goal-scoring opportunity about to materialise because for some reason, Tottenham put every single man mm. into the box. Or maybe maybe it was the guy who was furthest back who went to challenge on the edge of the area for some reason. But it, it broke the ball and he was goal-side of the last defender. And as was, I, I believe, Nathan Redmond. And all they had to do was leg it into space 
and it was a one-on-one or he could have laid it off to his mate Redmond and hopefully he wouldn't have ballsed it up. So, uh, yeah, that, you know, one-one we'll, we'll take that, but um, kind of a, a, a typical finish to the game from a referee who had a, a torrid, yeah, torrid time of it from a Saints point of view. Well, he didn't get much right. No, not at all. And the precedent was set when he uh, blew for a foul on Emerson, where he went down like a sack of spuds, raising his arm, waving that he was injured. And yeah, then Shane Long didn't touch him. No, Shane Long, I don't even think, came in the same personal space as him, to be honest. And it was, I was looking at that and I thought, okay, he must have stepped on his toe or something. And then I watched the replay and it was just embarrassing. It's embarrassing to see him... You know, okay, players go down, they fake injury, he's gone down, but and maybe they just go down and stay down. But Emerson screaming, throwing his arm up into the air as if they had to kick the ball out of play for him. They had to kick the ball out of play for him. And Shane Long has done nothing. Maybe, maybe Shane Long breathed on him. Shane Long could have breathed on him. And you know, in today's day and age, that's a (laughs) speaking of Shane Long and wing backs, it was Reggion was the other one. Yeah, how the hell he didn't even it wasn't even a free kick that was given. We took from the kickoff, pinged it up, and he just completely body checked Shane Long, hitting him in the head. I, th- I think it was with his shoulder, but just blocked him off. It was cynical. It was dangerous. There wasn't even a free kick. Shane Long was down for ages, and then moments later, he went up the other, uh, went further forward and got himself that overdue yellow card for a challenge on Diallo, which yeah. actually got the ball. So I don't think he would have been sent off. But it was two decisions wrong by the referee. Two wrongs don't automatically make a right, obviously. But yeah, he he, he had he had a bit of a nightmare. Um, I couldn't really believe some of the decisions he was making. Booked Ralph, who couldn't believe it either, because I think Ralph wanted his he wanted his team to have every opportunity to play that aggressive front foot, um, defending and and pressing. And every time they went in, and that, obviously you're going to get some fouls because you're going through the back of people trying to win the ball. And Antonio Conte's men are going to go to ground every time they get the opportunity. So he was just getting annoyed that every time anyone engaged with a Tottenham player and they threw themselves to the ground, free kick came. And and after that, yellow card to like Salisi. Yeah, he uh, he didn't he didn't do himself any favours, Anthony Taylor. Um, aside from the fact that he and Martin Atkinson managed to screw up a. A fairly legitimate goal. Well, he he did. He had nothing to do with that, did he? That's true. No, uh, he no. gave the goal. Line didn't give it. This was VAR in, in its entirety. Anyway, four points from two really difficult fixtures, and that's ending twenty twenty one on a, somewhat of a high. And now our next game is either Newcastle or Swansea in the FA Cup, depending on on what happens in the next couple of days. Let's assume that. I mean, actually, no. The last time we said, let's assume that the match is on, it got was called Brentford. off. It was Brentford. Let's assume that it's off. I've just read the, the Everton confirmation. Uh, I don't know if this is a sly dig or if it's just the way I'm reading it because mm. of the way we feel about it. But it says, our game at home to Newcastle on Thursday has been postponed after the Premier League board granted the visitors' request due to an outbreak of COVID-19 cases and injuries in their squad. Mm. you know the bollocks to injuries um our best player yeah, is injured we can't play i think uh, i think we should uh, discuss at least 
the potential of having the game on Sunday. It would be nice. Um, I'm nice. going. I know you're going. I'm going. You, you know, you're, you're go- we're both going as spectators, which would be a, yeah, yeah, first going time as in a fa- long, long time for us. I know. Whereabouts? Whereabouts you sat? I mean, uh, I'm actually uh, taking my girlfriend and the nipper oh, nice. to uh, to his first game. Actually, oh great! So, um, we'll be down in the Itchen South. Um, nice, brilliant to see that we're selling out the stadium pretty much because yeah. I, couldn't, oh, I, the, the... I wanted to get a ticket today, and there were only single seats available. Wanted, and, and that was the case a few days ago because I tried getting tickets before Christmas, and then. Um, and uh, uh, obviously, in the end, I'd, I'd look to get tickets for Newcastle instead, and that was pretty much the only part of the ground where you could get mm. three, yes, three, uh, three seats next to each other. I, I wish I had. I was really looking at the idea of going to West Ham on Boxing Day, um, and looking at the logistics of travel and cost and everything else. And in the end, we didn't go for it. Well, I but, can tell you. I can tell you now. After that game, I, I messaged you about it driving home in the fog with a sat nav that broke was okay I, let me t- let me tell you now listeners of uh, the under the lights podcast dave merrington is a brilliant sat nav he is fantastic he knows exactly where he i took a wrong turning and i was there thinking don't be angry with me dave and he's just like don't worry son don't worry we'll just go down there turn around and then we'll go back see easy off you go and uh We'll, we'll stay on the M25 and we'll just wait until the M3 comes along. If we have to go round twice, so be it. <laughs> I, I think Dave Merrington would be a brilliant voice, celebrity voice for a sat nav as well. You, know, you can get like Ozzy Osbourne and all these people <laughs> like where you can get uh, Dave Merrington's dulcet tones would be uh, would be fantastic. But yeah, I, I, I think... What you don't want to do now is take the wrong turn. <laughs> yeah, well, he'll be right at home when the Geordies come down on uh, on Sunday, if that happens. Um, how would you play it then? Because Ralph has rotated the squad today, wow. which was good, which means hopefully, touch wood, depending on COVID tests, we there's a chance we could have a clean bill of health. I know that Che Adams went down to it mm-hmm. today. So he probably won't be available. No, he won't. If he's tested but, positive today, because remember he played, he let Shea Adams could be ruled out completely because he came on as a sub against West Ham. So it was either yesterday in the last few days. And yes, yeah. unless of course there's the, um, was it the negative test on the sixth and the seventh? Yeah. But even so that's coming straight back from COVID. Let's assume he's not there. Yeah. I don't think he would make it anyway. Cause if he, if, if he got it today, it's five days until the game anyway. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, other than him and Alex McCarthy, I, I think we're in a pretty good position. Tino Liveramento missed Easy. the first game of the season in the Premier League today, but it's not too serious, so he should be in. Lianco and Stevens are back, which is good news. Keller as well. We just be... lost Salisu. Um, no, Taylor, so... no Walker Peters. He's booked. He's suspended. Yeah. So uh, has not has that not been reset now? Is that not ten games? Now, I thought it was up to 19 after your first 19 games of the season. He's now got his fifth. But it is, that... we're, this was game 19. Yeah. So that's why I'm, I'm not sure. I, yeah. I wondered if, because it didn't come up to say misses the next match on the, on the telly. But mm. I did think that. I thought, I saw it was his fifth booking, but I wondered if that ship has now sailed. I'll have a quick look, actually. 
But look, it, it, would you say that him and Livermento will both play? In your opinion, I, if 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 available, if available, I think he'll go for Perro again. Um, you think? Yeah, I I don't think you know he's had now that he's had an injury. I think Livermento should um, just maybe wait until full fitness, and then he also, if the game is on, he can then be rested against Swansea as well. And then he can have two weeks just to make sure that he's fully back up to speed. I mean, the guy's played 18, all 18 Premier League games. He's missed his first one today. I've given him a little bit of a rest um, for when the fixtures start to pile up once more. Once more, um, I would then start with Perro. I tell you, against... He says Newcastle- it's not serious, though, the injury. You know, it's, it's just... It's, uh, obviously, it was enough for them to be cautious and not playing him mm. today. But it sounds like... Yeah, if if he's fit and he's ready to go. Oh yeah, if he's fully fit, throw him on. I tell you one player who I want to start hands down, Armando Brozier. Start him every single game against Newcastle. That starts for me. Newcastle have, in my opinion, Newcastle have mid-championship level defenders. Armando Brozier will eat them for breakfast. And 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 they don't even have many of those available, do they? So, um, Forster keeps his place in goal. Yeah, he seems to be the first choice now. Who who plays at centre back in the absence of Salisu? Do you put do you put Bednarek and Lianko? Do you bring Stevens into the fold? I, I don't think he'll start Jan Valerie. No. If if Valerie plays at the weekend, if Valerie plays at the weekend, I think Valerie plays at right back because um, it means Livermento is not fully recovered and Walker Peters is suspended, and then I think you just try and keep a. You don't try and throw Thierry Small on as a left back, although, you know, Ralph is. Nah, he was on the bench today, wasn't he? Mm. But I, I don't think Valerie, because he had a good game at centre back, I don't think we should start playing him at right back again. You know, centre back is easier than right back. And although yeah. he did a good job today, I don't, I don't want to see him um, playing at full back again. He won't be against Sam Maximan, though. True, but he'll be against someone. You know, Ryan Fraser's a, a, still a, a decent man. player. and. I, I would I would play if if they're all fit I'd go back to Walker Peters and Livermento. Okay. Um, Romeo comes in comes back in for me. Well, it's an interesting one because I thought Diallo was fantastic today. He was he was, but, but also uh, he is. Um, I've, I I think he is better against the the bigger clubs. And I know that sounds. Sounds strange, but I just think we needed someone who could actually who's very good at passing the ball. Um, and Diallo is one of those. Uh, Romeo, he's a, he's a cracking midfielder as well. But I think go go toe to toe with John Joe Shelby. I think we just need someone to sort of bring him down a notch very quickly in the game. And Romeo, I know, so I'm not just, I'm not saying one... it because they're both bald. There's only one. Yeah, well, there's room for one bold midfield general today. So, so who are you playing at centre back then in the absence of Salisu? Because someone's going to have to go left centre back. You know, is is Lianco's impressed when he's been involved? Bednarak has played the last couple of games, scored the winner Boxing Day, although he's looked a, a little bit dodgy. And then you've got Jack Stevens, who was kind of on top of the world before he got that injury. Is he fit now? You know, he had that injury for a while, came back. Then he's got COVID. You know, if they're fit, these guys, who's your centre back? pairing because I think I go for I Jack Stevens I go for Stevens because uh I'm struggling to think with Wilson out who Newcastle will then play 
Oh, we don't oh. want to start playing that game, do we? Let's, they've got so many injuries. Then let, yeah, that's let, true. That's okay. okay. Stevens, Stevens for me, I think. Available. Stevens, I think for me, because I think he's a better passer of the ball. And one thing that we're going to have to do against Newcastle is if they are, if they have all of these injuries, then I think they're probably going to try and sit back and try and get the point. Um, so we just need someone who's just a little bit, a little bit better. And also, Jack Stevens has that um, thing, that little, little, um, not the chip on his Nasty shoulder. Nasty streak. That's the one. That's the one. And get them riled up. I mean, we don't want them to, I, don't, I mean, we don't want them, Newcastle, to get a red card because they might just call the game off there and then because they don't have enough players to compete. But it's true. It's true. <laughs> um, so Bednarek stays in the team ahead of the anchor. I think he has to. I think he has to. You don't want to change two of your, your yeah. centre pairing altogether, do you? No, I think he has to stay because otherwise you're changing too much. I would like to see in terms of the rest of the team, I would like. Um, Redmond's got to come back in. Redmond, I'd stay. I'd keep Stuart Armstrong playing. Uh, I thought because, he was. But I thought he was a little bit absent today. He was probably the quietest of our players. True, but to be to be expected. Yeah, but true, but also um, for the majority of the game, for about fifty minutes, he's had to play as part of a very defensive display. Whereas we true. know he is that one player that we have who is able to play that reverse pass to unlock a a tight defence or there were many there, he was in the second half there, he had no right to t try and take some shots on but he was ha he, he wanted to have a go from everywhere even with his left foot he was trying to cut inside <laughs> and from 25 yards smash it in uh, for me he's, he starts Redmond starts and then I Adam think Armstrong and Bro Brozier sounds like a uh, yeah, a pretty yeah. interesting combination I, th I think exactly I think exactly that Adam Unless Armstrong. he chooses to give Teller a go if he's fit, because Armstrong, he put in a shift today. He played pretty much 90 minutes, um, close to, and it, he put a shift in today. So yeah. with the game only four or five days later, does he, or five days later, does does he rotate that slot and put Teller back in, who, until he got COVID, was, was playing mm. every single game? You know, does, yeah. he, does he play Teller instead of, uh, Stuart Armstrong because Stuart Armstrong can't play two games in a week so we yeah. put him on, on one wing and then we have Adam Armstrong up front with with Brozier I think Brozier's a cert to start I think Redmond is a cert to start it's just whether there's rotation mm. I, I, I feel like Hasenhussle doesn't really care for rotation unless he absolutely has to do it mm. i.e. a game on the 26th of December and then a game on the 28th two days later he needed to rotate five days to him. I don't think he'll even come into his thinking unless no. you've got a player who is coming back from illness or injury. Yeah, no, that's a good point. For me, one player that has to start is, is Brozier. I think he is the best player uh, that we have at the moment. I, I love Ward Prowse, don't get me wrong, love him, but Brozier is going to... Brozier's a cut above at the moment and he is... It's very unlikely that we're going to see him in a Saints shirt next season. I'd absolutely love to get him back, but he is... Well, he if we looks could like, get him on a permanent, it would be an absolute dream, wouldn't it? He, for me, I don't want to go too far here, but he looks like he could become the complete centre forward. Pace, height, strength. He has maturity well beyond his young young years at the moment. He has the tenacity. In what way do you think he's mature? Because I remember Ralph Harsensall not giving him the chance early on because mm. he wasn't applying himself. He didn't maybe, have the maybe, maybe, maybe mature is, is the wrong word, but he has the 
He has the nous of you see, he looks, a he veteran looks, forward. He's, yeah, he's so, he looks like he's played a long time, you know. He looks like he's played a long, a long time. He seems to know all of the, the tricks that any, you know, 30-year-old striker who's played for decades knows. He knows what sort of player he is as well. He knows what sort of kind of centre-forward. Mm. And he does have everything. Is why I think he can play mm. up front on his own. The only thing today, and there weren't many negatives for Saints, one for me was that when Broyer came on, he wasn't giving he wasn't giving me what I wanted in terms of a defensive output uh, for the yeah. team. He was often a million miles away from the ball on the other side of the pitch and jogging. Whereas you yeah. just you look on the wing and you see Adam Armstrong, who's just played seventy five minutes, put in an absolute shift in. You saw that from Shane Long. What I wanted from Brozier is for him to come on and continue that tenacity. But, and he, was, he wasn't he was there. You know, occasionally the ball would come near him like he won it off of Dyer. But he only seemed to kind of come alive to that when there was a possible opportunity for him to, to get in on goal. But Didn't what, really do the shift for the mm, team for me today, Brozier. I can understand that. And I have questioned his, um, his efforts in terms of the collective. But we don't know maybe if Ralph has instructed him to come on and feed off the scraps and just be an outlet. Because there were so many times in that second half that Saints just hoofed it forward and absolutely nobody was there. They seemed the game plan was just to keep the ball as far away from uh, the goal as possible. Um, there were so many passes where the, the amount of times I commentated and it was literally the same Eric Dyer collecting the ball in the same position, then bringing it forward. I think May Brozier was there just to feed off the opportunity if there was a misplaced um, a pass or if someone slipped slightly. And that's where the chance at the end came about because he's latched on to Dyer having a bit of a bit of a brain fart at the, at the back and he's almost he's almost scored. But then it, but I do get your point about how he has been it like his effort has been questioned because there were times I think when he made that when he came on for his first I think it was his first start or something against West Ham at the beginning of the season and he was absolutely terrific. And then in the next game, he was disappointing because he didn't, um, he wasn't offering that much around. Yeah, around Sheffield United in the cup, wasn't it? His first start and he did nothing. Yeah. But yeah, no, we know what, what top quality player he is. That was just a little, a little thing I'd picked up in the game today. Another thing I picked up was uh, that you you wouldn't have been too far away from uh, certain Michael McIntyre today. Did you I see mentioned him. him. You... I mentioned him in the commentary. I saw him. I saw him there. I didn't bump into him, sadly. But uh, no, uh, that was. That's, I'm sure he must be a Tottenham fan because I can't imagine him supporting Southampton. That's yeah, sure. I think we would have seen him here before. If that was yeah, the case. yeah. But all in all, very, very pleased. Four points from two difficult games. We have a very winnable game coming up. That's if they decide that they that they want to play it. But I, I guess here's, we'll here's a point for yes. you. Newcastle United will try and postpone as many games as they possibly can until, until after they sign a load of players in January. Because I will be royally pissed off if they manage to get this game postponed due to having too many injuries and we have to play them in a month's time, two months' time, when they've got who, whichever bloody superstar names they're thinking of bringing in. They're going to be stronger. Yeah. The sooner you play Newcastle, the better, in my opinion. And mm. if they manage to postpone our game on the 2nd of January, whereby even if they sign someone on the 1st, unlikely they'll be signed in time to play, 
then we could be we could end up playing a, a completely different team, and not yeah. only a completely bit different team, but we'll be playing team. the skeleton team that they've got because they haven't got any of their current shit first team players available. So yeah, I, I think the refer- the, the, this definitely needs to be looked at. You can't you can't go on on injuries like this. Injuries are part of the game, as Ralph said. Yeah. Um, hopefully you get to go to that game. Hopefully I do. It's not over 2021 yet from a Saints point of view because we have three days left for this pending takeover and no one's heard anything about. So uh, we'll, we'll see if that comes to fruition. Sold by the end of the year, apparently. But I'm not uh, I'm not too sure that's Get the countdown music going on. Red Bull. No, I don't think uh, I don't think it's uh, quite going to happen yet. But no, I don't. It's, think so. it's all whatever. If anything, it's just rumours, isn't happening, it? It's happening behind the scenes and being very well, um, very well kept secret. But yeah, hopefully we can uh, be thinking about a takeover before the end of January. We can get ourselves a, a, a few players. Do, do you reckon? Do you reckon when they said before the end of the year, did they get the year wrong? It's actually twenty twenty two. Yeah, end of the season, maybe. Maybe end of the season. Actually, no, what they've done is they currently do not have enough people involved in the takeover to actually take part. And therefore, they have requested to the Premier League to have the takeover postponed for the time being due to injuries and COVID. And they will try and re- rearrange another date for a later time. Yes, yes. The, the powers that be have, uh, have got a Bill, Bill Gates has pulled out. Bill Gates has pulled out due to a positive lateral flow. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, hopefully, where, where are you going to be sat on Sunday if you go? I think it's Kingsland, somewhere in the Kingsland. Is I'm going with uh, with my mate who's come over from Australia. So there we go. So. There we go. Comes over from Australia to watch, not specifically to watch a Saints game, but it's, it's oh, imagine two hours before kickoff. Two hours, two, two hours before kickoff, we were about to inform you that the game is off. It's like, well, I've come all the way from Perth for this. It's like those Spurs fans, weren't it, from uh, from Texas? We went to Burn off all the games. Yeah, we're going to Burnley. Oh yeah, well, uh, well, yeah. Hopefully, yeah, somewhere in the Kings, as we sort of the tickets, I guess you don't know entirely. Where are you going to be? No, no, no. I, I, I've sorted the tickets, but um, I am. You just have to... no idea where you're going to be. No, I have absolutely no idea. It was just a case of there's two green seats available next to each other. Get those, get those, and then yeah, we'll see. Be done with it. Well, hopefully there's a game on because uh, yeah, yeah, I'll be looking forward to to hopefully winning uh, that game, continuing this form. Um, in other news, I watched Spider Man yesterday. How was it? Brilliant. There much we go. Of a, you much of a Marvel uh, I, 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 I haven't watched any of the, uh, the the new Spider-Mans. I'm very much a, the one, the trilogy that I watched was the, the Tobey Maguire one, the original. I, I like superhero films. I just haven't watched many, really. So you're not really, you haven't really watched many of the kind the of top. Avengers Marvel type uh, no, I've watched I've uh, watched the first Iron Man, but I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint. I'm really boring on that score. Well, I'll just say that there might even be something in this one for you, Tom. By the sounds of things. Oh, no way! You mean you mean a possible a possible spoiler that no one has seen at all on the internet? Right. If anyone's not watched it, <laughs> spoiler alert. That might not be a spoiler alert, but. Yeah, Tom, if you like the first 
original if I, Spider-Man. Oh, if I like the first, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, maybe I, get on, maybe get on this <laughs> maybe one. Maybe get on that. <laughs> maybe, yeah, if you're a fan of that one, where what that particular one was in, you know, like you might like this one. Or even if you like the second Spider-Man trilogy. <laughs> maybe get on it anyway. <laughs> I, I feel like you're trying to make some kind of point here, Callum. Well, I'm alluding to something. Welcome to the End of the Likes podcast, where we also give you spoiler-free analysis of the latest films yeah. in the cinema. Yeah. Breaking news. Tobey Maguire's in Spider-Man, and also Newcastle versus Everton's been called off. <laughs> Get this out quick. <laughs> we, we, we're we covering <laughs> all press. bases here. Hot off the press. Hot off the press. Callum, I hope you've had a good Christmas. It's been a pleasure catching up on the uh, the recent events. It's been a wild past couple of days i'll definitely not forget them and hopefully it's not the last ones but uh fingers crossed that you and i in about a week's time will be talking about a game that we've had at the weekend not necessarily a win i mean hopefully it's a win but let's just hope that we've had a game on and newcastle haven't chickened out so um yes oh um yeah and less said about less said about fantasy football the better mate because uh i might just stop the whole fantasy football analysis at the moment because it's all just up in the air isn't it up in the air man isn't it like who you know who knows who's going to play and when i'm not top anymore uh, i know that much but i'm not i can't remember it's who it is from, it's a fall from but grace i think though. until until this comes back to normal and we can actually play this game properly then uh, then we'll um we'll put a pin in that i think for the time being sounds Good to me. Although, oh, I'm just having a look. Checking to see if you're in the top 40, eh? No, 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 no. Someone from the iPaper. So, um, like that, you know which one I mean. Everton game off and Southampton trip looks doomed too. Uh, well, I guess we don't know. It's going to be up in the air, isn't it? Until any kind of decision is made. And I'm sure that we will be speaking about this, whether a game has happened next week or not. But... Callum, as always, a pleasure to speak to you. And if you are, if you've listened to the podcast, you want to give us a comment. You can find us on Twitter at under underscore saints. You can find me at Callum Wilson twenty one. I've forgotten to say my own name. You can find me on Twitter at t two one four Murray. And breaking news, surprise just, in my voice. Yeah, and uh, breaking news right at the end. That's going to be out of date really quickly, but. Former Everton man Adaloma Lookman has given Leicester the lead at Liverpool. No way. There we oh no, they're at home to Liverpool. Well, either way against Liverpool. either either way, they're winning. They're winning. That's a former Everton man. Anyway, as always, stay safe, stay wonderful.